Greetings, America. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Today, we pause and remember those who gave their lives or served for our freedom. We do not take that lightly. Thank you. Would you let us know that you're out there? Press like, send a message, or share this service with your online friends. Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose? All in one space. It's beautiful. We encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and support that you've been hoping for. Stop by at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to meet you. Okay, here's the deal. Today will be epic. We are hearing from one of Echo's own who shares his miracle story, and it's amazing. We also want to say thank you for your obedience to God's word in the form of giving back to God through the giving of your tithe, which, if you don't know, is 10% of your income as worship to God. If you are looking to give, head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Say bye to Leo. <laughs> There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be
gather in this space, not because this space has anything particularly special about it, but besides the fact that you are here. You're in the midst of us as we're together. And a moment like this just reminds me that I have enough, that we have enough. Jehovah Jireh, you are my provider. Jesus, you are our provider. And today we just resonate in contentment. We are content with what you've given us. And we say thank you for that. We thank you for everything. We thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you say amen today? starting a brand new series called Hear Us Roar. It is one of my favorite series that we revisit every year. And I'll tell you why. Because your story can make a difference. What you have lived through and what you're currently living through uh, and, and, and just kind of living in everyday ordinary life, if you pause long enough to make an assessment and to lean in and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what he's doing in you and he has done through you or what he's been working on, I'm telling you, if you have the boldness and if you had enough audacity to share what God is doing in your life, it truly can make a difference in this world. Does anybody like stories out here? I love stories. I got a friend, he's, uh, he's retired. And every time I sit down with him, he's always got one or two, maybe three stories. And I love every story he shares because I actually think most of the facts are, you know, as he calls them, uh, are just slightly manufactured for the humor of the story. You know anybody like that? You know what I'm saying? I I love that. Uh, But let me tell you a a few stories in my own life. Uh, How many of you know that I I am a second born? Any other second borns in in the house here today? If you are a second born, you will be able to, I think, um, I think you'll resonate with what I'm going to tell you here. Uh, I am a second born son, um, ver- therefore I had an older brother. Anybody have an older brother? Anybody have an older sister? Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, but now when you are the younger brother, you are disadvantaged right from the get-go. And everything when it comes to my brother and I, at least according to me, is a competition. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> 
And, uh, it's, and so everything we did, it was, it was I was going to win. I had to kind of one-up him. And, and, and it was difficult because he was stronger, right? He had more experience. Uh, and, and, and it was always just, uh, man, I got to be honest, it was just difficult uh, because of, of how big he was in comparison. So as the younger brother, I had to become smarter. And particularly, I had to be quicker. And, uh, and let me tell you one of those stories. Um, this, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in central Wisconsin. Don't hold that against me. And, uh, and we kind of grew up on this pseudo-retired pseudo farm. And uh, so we always had three-wheelers and go-karts and, and mopeds. I mean, how many times I had a moped and I crashed into a tree? I, can't, cannot, I cannot count, but it was amazing. Um, which some of you are like, oh, that makes sense now. Um, but this one particular uh, time, uh, my dad was off at work. My mom was at home. She was inside, and, and us boys busted out of the house. And we were going to go find, or we were going to go ride the three-wheeler. We both had that ambitious and ambition. And so we got to the three-wheeler, and it got physical. You know what I'm saying? It got physical. And we started pushing and shoving, and, and I was the younger brother. So I was always disadvantaged. And this particular time, I lost again. It was not going well. I was trying everything I could. But I remember my brother pushing me off the three-wheeler. And just as he pulled the pole start, he came back. I came back to the three-wheeler, and he backhanded me in my nose. And I knew at that very moment I lost the battle. And he drove off. But I knew I was going to win the war, and I'll tell you why. I went inside. I found my mom. And I told her, Dad, or I said, Mom, Ryan just punched me in the face because he wanted to drive the three-wheeler. How many of you know who was driving the three-wheeler just in a few moments later? <laughs> we were very competitive. I mean, it, it, was, it was just, it's, it's just in intrinsically just, just, just seated in everything I do. And, 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 and I want to tell you that some of the stories that you remember as a child might be telling you a narrative. It might be actually trying to show you something that the Lord wants to work through. And, and, and really, maybe this is one of those areas in my life. I have another story that I remember. My brother, um, a couple years older than me, this is like 38 years ago or so, you know, like tells you a little bit of my age. Uh, and I, um, uh, we went to a little league game and my brother's team was about to forfeit because they didn't have enough players. And so the coach is running around and, and uh, looking for people to play and, my, and, and, and went up to my mom, saw me sitting there uh, on the bench or whatever it was and said, does he play baseball? And she said, yes, in fact, he should play. And the coach pulled her aside and I don't think she knows this, and I don't even know if my brother knows this. He will after this goes online. Uh, but I remember uh, overhearing the, the coach ask my mom, where should your younger son play? And my, my mom said, he should play in the infield and my brother should play in the outfield. How many know that became the biggest victory of my young person's life? I was like, I won for the very first time. And I only tell you that story because, because I, I have to confess, man, I, I always wanted to be better than my brother. I always wanted to over, uh, maybe over or outdo him. And, 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 and again, I want you to see this, man. I, as a young person, I wanted to be noticed. Does anybody else relate to that? I mean, I, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to sense some worth and some value. And I attempted to find that worth and value through what I achieved. And, and I don't know if much of that has changed in my life. I just might be a little bit more aware of it today. And when I look in the mirror and, and I confess before you that I'm very competitive and, and that I always want to be better than the person next to me and, and you know, I always want to, over, I want to achieve and I want to accomplish certain things, which by the way is not bad in itself. Uh, but a lot of times we get caught into the comparison trap. And when it came to my brother, he was just kind of the object of comparison. He was the one that was always next to me that I always had uh, a lot of fun with as well. So, uh, but what I, what I love about the Bible is it has relatable stories. And I want to lean into one of those stories today in Genesis 25. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis 25, verse 
21. What is happening here is this. Isaac and Rebekah are trying to have children. It's not going well. And, and, and what we're going to read here just in a moment is Isaac prays and, and asks the Lord to give his wife child. And, and, uh, but I want you to uh, see this little family dynamic uh, and, and remind you who Isaac is. Isaac is the son of Abraham. And what you need to know about this story and be reminded of is at some point in Isaac's upbringing, Isaac was, went on a little road trip with his dad and carried some wood and carried a knife and went and up this mountain, helped his dad built an altar, and then eventually his dad tied him up, put him on that altar, and at the last moment, God intervened before he no longer breathed. I mean, I want you to hear this. I want you to, 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 to understand that there was a experience in Isaac's upbringing that is going to pay forward in how Isaac will parent, how the dynamics of his home, how many of you know sometimes the wounds of your past will ultimately begin to shape how you operate today. And, and understand, I want you to hear that before we read the story. So, and, and the second thing I, I want to say before I read this is I just sense that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me today that for different people, different things are going to pop out of this story. And, 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 I, and I just want to allow that, allow that space in your mind and your soul for the Lord and the Holy Spirit to do his work in you today. Galatians 25 verse 21 says this, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord heeded his prayer and Rebekah became pregnant. In verse 22, it says, but the children fought with each other inside her so much so that she said, if it's going to be like this, I don't even want to live. Why go on living? Which, by the way, reminds me of Minnesotans this week. Because how many know in the winter it's too cold and then when the summer comes, it is too hot. You know what's funny about this is how, how is it that in life, what we pray for can so often become what we protest and what we complain about so quickly after the prayer is answered. If you're a parent in this room, you understand that. I mean, again, like many people have that ambition to be a parent and, and, and in some, it's not easy for all and, and to get to that place. But I'm telling you what, the older your children get, the harder it becomes. And sometimes if you're being honest with yourself and the children close your ears, sometimes you're like, Lord, help us. But it's so funny how we can just look at it as like, man, like, you know, it's too cold, it's too hot. I, I went into uh, an auto... Uh, auto parts store this last week and just trying to be nice and, you know, have a conversation with the person at the desk. I, I got my part and came up to them and put it on the desk. And, and, uh, and I said, hey, how's the, day, how's the day going? And he goes, ugh. I was like, oh, I was like, it's going well, isn't it? And he said, no, it's just too hot. It's too hot. And I was like, what do you mean, man? I was like, man, April was so difficult. It was so cold and it was so rainy and drizzly. You know, I mean, it just was, was, was not really what I wanted to be, man. I'm just so happy that it's hot today. And he's like, no, it just got hot too quickly. And so often our situations, you know, in our life, that's just a good illustration of how we can so veer from contentment by comparison. And, uh, and if it's not the heat, it's, it's something like this. I don't have enough space. And then when you get enough space, it's like, well, this is too much space to manage. I mean, this is an ancient issue within us. And, and what you see in the very next verse, it says, so Rebecca went to inquire of the Lord and who, by the way, answered her and said this, oh, I know it's difficult for you, but there are two nations in your womb. And from birth, there are two rival people. I wanna tell you today, no matter what your situation, no matter what context you're living in, no matter what your story looks like, sounds like, or smells like, whatever it might, might be, there is a war within all of us. 
We're being pulled and we're being pushed. And if we're not being pushed, we're being pulled and we're being pushed on the other side. Sometimes we just feel like we're being pressed or we're being torn apart. I mean, we're being just directed in so many different ways. And and I would say this, life is a fight. Life can be a struggle. And for most of us, life is just simply not easy. And then you throw family dynamics into the, into the mix, right? I mean, I just feel this for the story as I try to relate to it. And as I put myself into that story, I'm just like, shoot, man. Like there, there are some dynamics here that are very difficult. And it'll be interesting to see how they all manage through this. In Genesis 25, verse 27, after the children are born, it says the boys grew and Esau became a skillful hunter and outdoorsman. And then Jacob was a quiet man who stayed in the tents. And now this is where, you know, the details get very interesting. And, and if there are details in the Old Testament, I'm telling you, they matter. And we should lean in and say, what does this mean for us? It says this, Jacob... I'm sorry, Isaac favored Esau because he had taste for game. And Rebekah favored Jacob. I mean, if you don't see it, you see it now. There are some family dynamics. I mean, this is a difficult situation like parenting 101, grandparenting 101. There are no favorites. I mean, some of you need to hear that today. I mean, there are no favorites, but we see them here. We see the, the, the dynamic within this family. It is tough in this situation. And I just want to teach you a little bit about family dynamics here and how we, how we create the home we live in. And it starts with this one idea, the dynamics. Let me use a different word, the atmosphere. The atmosphere of your home shapes your worth and your thoughts. Parents, hear this. The atmosphere that you're creating is ultimately going to shape your children's worth and your thoughts. Now, let me say it like this. If you are a roommate to somebody, the atmosphere and your attitude and your behaviors, whatever you're doing is ultimately going to shape the relationship you have with somebody else. The same thing happens in a workspace. So the dynamics shape your worth and your thoughts and, if, and your thoughts begin to shape your actions and your behaviors. I need you to follow along with me on this. The atmosphere will shape your worth and your thoughts. Your thoughts will shape your actions and your behaviors. And how many know that your actions will create habits and ultimately it can begin to create hangups? Now, there aren't all bad habits. There are good habits. But I want you to hear that there are certain things uh, with our actions and our behaviors that can truly begin to like hang us up in life, can, can really pull us in a different direction. Like I said, life is a fight. There are two nations within us. There are two types of people. Some people, uh, you know, that, you know, uh, uh, you know, you look at two types of people here, like one is pressing towards God and one's pulling us towards the world. That is what lives within us. Now, let me just finish up this family dynamic uh, and really your your life dynamic situation. Your actions will create your habits and your hangups. And then I want you to hear this. Your habits ultimately build the home you live in. I need you to hear that your, your atmosphere, the atmosphere that you're creating will shape someone else's or your own worth and your thoughts. Your thoughts will shape your actions and your behavior. Your actions will create habits and hangups and your habits ultimately build the home you live in. And here we are at Echo Church today. And we are who we are because of the atmosphere we find ourselves in. And the same is with this story. And we can see that with family habits or family ties or dynamics, whatever you want to call it. Isaac, the, the father, we see that he's a foodie. He loves his food, man. And he's connected with Esau. And the story is this, is towards the end of his life, he, he looks at his son and he says, go hunt, go get that game, come finish or get that, uh, catch that or kill that game prepare it for me the way that I want to prepare it, bring it to me, feed it to me, and then I will bless you. 
Isaac has this connection with Esau and what we see in Esau's life and we see in the story, and we're not reading it today, but you can go ahead and read in those verses and chapters to, to, to read the details. But Esau loses his birthright. What does he lose it over? Because he's hungry and he sells it for soup. So I'm telling you, whatever you're creating within your home ultimately is going to be sent down generationally down to one and to another. Esau, just like his dad, was a foodie, right? Rebecca, let's look at her, man. She, was, she in that story, Isaac calls to be fed before he's going to pass. He's at the end of his life, and Rebecca overhears that. Well, he has fav- she has favor for Jacob, and, and as Esau goes and hunts, she said, oh, guess what? I've got a plan. We're going to deceive your father. You're going to dress like this. You're going to talk like this. You're going to prepare the food. You're going to bring the food there like that, and then he will bless you. And what we see, not only in Rebecca's life, is we see a, a, an element of deception. What we see is, guess what? Jacob does the same thing. And we see that even in that same story of leveraging uh, his brother's weaknesses for his own gain when it comes to gaining the birthright and creating the soup. I want you to hear this. The story that you're living in right now is ultimately going to affect someone else's story over here. Every single one of you are written into someone else's chapter. The question is, is how are you being written into their book, into their story? And, and, and I just want today to be uh, reflective. I, I want us to look, yes, within scripture and ask the Lord to reveal what, what we need to hear and what, maybe what we need to work on with his help. But I, I do think we just need to ask some very important questions to really self-assess when it comes to the story we're living. Here's the first question. What is the story you're living out today? So often we, we look back into the story. And we get so caught up into the past. I actually don't want us to focus on the past. I want you just to look at your, your dynamic, your atmosphere, your home. Where are you today? And then the second question I want you to ask within that uh, is after you figure out where am I today? Where, what, what kind of life am I living? What am I living within? Is this, is this, is how intentional are you living? I would like for you to hold up a mirror before you and just say, Lord, man, what are those things that you want to do within me? And what would you empower me to to work through today? I think another set of questions that are really important, and you can write them down if you'd like, is this, is, is when you understand where you're at and maybe where you figure out where you're at today is ask this simple question or simple questions are you where you want to be once you figure out where you're at just simply ask this am i where i am where i want to be and then the second question after that is how is it going for you am i where i want to be how is it going for you and then the third one is this is What nation within you, what people, what person, what personality, what desire is winning the war? What is the thing that is directing us and leading us and potentially leading us off the road? What I love about the Hear Us Roar series is we lean in and And we interview people typically that sit in the same seats as you do, that volunteer in the same areas, you know what I'm saying? People who uh, have a normal type of life like you do. And and it is my privilege uh, to welcome you to watch Jess's video and his story today. It was May 6th. 2007, so it was 567. I had uh, started out that day riding with a buddy. We were just gonna go for a short ride. We ended up 
down at a, another friend's house. So we started drinking at his house at about 10 in the morning, working on his bike. My buddy and I took off. We were gonna just do some more riding. Um, took some back roads. We decided to stop again. We stopped at another bar. Continued to drink there for a little while. Got bored there, left, went to another bar, drank there. It was about time to start heading back. So we, we went to go get our bikes. We both agreed that we weren't gonna race. We got on the bikes and of course, as soon as we turned on the road, um, it turned into a, a wide open, full on race. We were going probably about like 80 or 90 in a 40 zone, heading out of town. And there's a cop in the parking lot right there. And we looked back and sure enough, he was coming. Didn't have his lights on yet, but we looked at each other and we both got down and opened them up a little bit more. And, um, and then that, that, was, that was the last thing I remember until I woke up uh, in the hospital. Okay, all right. Tell me what really happened. So, um, the story that I just shared was true to the point where we went off the road, but once uh, it was clear that the, the officer was gonna maintain pursuit, there was a, a split second. I looked at my buddy and looked at him and we were waiting to see what the other would do if uh, we were gonna slow down and, and pull over if we were gonna run. And uh, it was in that moment that we, we both went eyes back forward and opened up the bikes a little bit more. And in just a split of a second, I just had this wave of shame and guilt and disappointment. Images and experiences of hurting people around me, friends, my girlfriend, my parents, and the you know, disappointment in my poor choices in the past. And just closed my eyes and put my head down. What was described by my buddy is the bike and I just sailed off the road and then at the first impact um, in the ditch, he said it was just, it was a cartwheel after cartwheel. Every time we hit, we'd spun. I nearly missed a car that was coming around that corner and the car actually had a nurse in it. And so she and my buddy came running down that, that poor gal, just trying to help save me while I was laying down there in the pit that I had created for myself. And I was just, I was swearing at her and cussing her out, calling her all kinds of names, just telling her to leave me alone and to let it bleed out. And I remember her just saying, I'm sorry, over and over again, just kept apologizing. I had a eight inch fracture on the interior one and a compound fracture on the exterior bone. Uh, crushed my left foot, crushed my left hand. I just broke ribs, they didn't tell me how many, they just said I had broken ribs. I had a sternoclavicular separation and broke my sternum. Then I had a T5 through T9 spinous process fractures. The cops spaced it out. I had gone 200 yards and the bike went 210 yards. After that point, it was really, it's really foggy because um, I couldn't manage my pain. So they kept me in a Valium-induced coma, essentially. So the first week is really just a blur. Excerpts of waking up and the doctors being there and talking about options, which were to cut my leg off, actually. <laughs> my right leg below the knee, but they were able to save it. The thought of admitting to people how bad I had gotten with my drinking and where that was, but then to admit that that had gotten so bad that I didn't see any way out of it in that moment other than to just take my life. I'd carried that secret for years. I hadn't told anybody. It was nighttime and it was raining. We were driving back. I just couldn't take it anymore. And I'm not a big crier. My wife looked at me, she's like, are you okay? And I just shook my head and I said, no. She's like, what is it? And I said, I've, I've never told you this. And I don't know how to. And she tried to stay calm and say, okay, what is it? And I said, my motorcycle accident wasn't an accident. It was an attempt. After the week of being asleep with Valium and they finally were able to manage the pain and get some surgeries out of the way. And I had the quiet hum of all the machines behind me that were keeping my medicine going and monitoring all my stuff and the beeping of that and just kind of the busyness of the nurses in the hallway. And the door was slightly open so I could kind of see just a little bit of light kind of peering into the room. I just lay in there and I said, I can't do this anymore. God, I said, this is where I've gotten myself living kind of in spite of him and, and thinking that I could just do it on my own. And I said, this is, this is where I got myself and I, just, I can't do it anymore. I need you to do it for me. We serve a God of chances, and that can be the second chance, third chance, the hundredth chance, however many it is, he doesn't give up. It was a realization I didn't have to keep that secret, and I don't have to do it on my own. And 
the thing is to not lose that hope to not give up to find to think that you're in a place that's so dark or so deep that you can't tell anybody and that no one will understand and that it's too far or too dirty for God there is so much freedom in letting go of that shame and that guilt and talking about it it's hard but it's not as hard or as painful as keeping all that in and trying to bury it and carry that because it weighs on you and that weight expounds daily and yearly and the longer you have to try to keep that buried the harder it is to keep it the rug can only hold so much I just sense that uh, we should take a moment, just lean into Jesus today. Lord, I thank you for Jess and Amy and this beautiful family. And we pause and we just say thank you for the miracle of his life. And miracles evident when we see these beautiful children set before us today. That you are the God that doesn't give up. You're the God that is in pursuit of us. You're the God with perfect family dynamics. God, I just thank you for Jess and his boldness and his willingness to share even the hard parts of his story. And God, I just sense today that there are individuals that are here today that have a lot of things underneath their rugs. And as Jess so eloquently reminded us today of is the rug can only hold so much. Holy Spirit, would you begin to reveal those things in our life? God, I sense there are individuals that came in here and, and they're dealing with hangups and habits and addictions and, 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 and maybe uh, self-worth and thoughts. And, 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 and I just ask that you would just come in and be the God who loves and brings hope and joy to those people. Remind us that God, you are in pursuit of us. And it doesn't matter how fast our bike is, because you're always faster. In Jesus' name, amen. Ben. <laughs> I love your kids so much. That's so great. I was gonna say this, I said this last hour too. But freedom is not the absence of pain. Freedom is letting God into your full story. And it's his presence coming in. And when I see your life, you inspire us. And so I just think it's so easy, the older we get to compartmentalize our story or let shame win or the secrets to be like, well, it's so far in the past, but letting us in on your whole story, I believe with all my heart, you're saving even one life today. Amen. And the legacy that you have and your three kids and the second chances and the third chances and seeing you guys surrender daily inspires us. And so thank you for sharing your story. And it inspires me, inspires everyone here. Thank you for your bravery yeah. and your boldness. Was it Meseda or was it Harper that gave me this today? Harper. Harper gave this to me today. She says, I love, I love church. At least that's what I think she wrote. <laughs> I am so thankful for you guys. Are we all thankful for the Radkeys? And I, man, I so say, man, really, I know it took a lot of guts to say what you shared. I know it was difficult to tell your wife that for the very first time. And um, I just sense that the Lord is saying, generations yeah. have change Amen. coming and have hope and have joy and a future and, and man I'm just so thankful to call you friend and uh, we love you and uh, thanks for shouting your story from the mountaintop because we're posting this tomorrow morning baby <laughs> I love you guys let's hear it for the Rackies one last time
before we go into a time of response and kind of allowing our soul to see a mirror, our soul to look into a mirror today and let the Holy Spirit and the Lord speak to us. I want to finish the story of Isaac and Rebecca. And I need you to hear this because I think this is the war within us. We believe that we can make the difference, that we can make the change, that we're not gonna screw up one last time. And we can see this in the story. And I already kind of alluded towards it, but in Genesis 27, just before Isaac is passing, he looks at his son and says, go do this, get this, make this, bring it, and then I will bless you. Rebecca is leaning in, hearing that she does the same thing for her other son. And she says, oh, Jacob, go and pay for this. Go do this uh, and then bring it. And then you will be blessed. And I can t- I want to tell you this, the story of God, the narrative is completely different. And we can find that in Genesis 26, where it's written, where God says this to Isaac. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid because I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase your numbers and your descendants for the sake of my servant. And the one thing Isaac did right was this. And this is what we need to do in that type of grace, in that type of blessing that God wants for every single one of you. This is what he did in verse 25. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And there he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. You know what that means? He decided to dwell there. He decided to stay there. And so if you don't hear anything else for the rest of the uh, Sunday or you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to hear this. Dwell in the presence of the Almighty because he's calling you home and he's calling you to stay, and he wants to work on your heart today. Amen. Let the Lord speak through this song to you today.
I love the Radke family. And I love seeing people take the moments of their life and put them out there as a reminder of the good days and the bad days. And I was thinking about this idea, Jess, which was this, this thought that the scars aren't gone, but that you're a new person. And I think sometimes we are so quick to let the scars be the driver in our life. But guess what? Jesus is the driver in our life. And the restoration and the renewal and the power of being restored by him. Now, I think there's people in the room right now that feel like Jess did that day on his bike. There's the loss of hope, the loss of peace, maybe ready to throw it in. Maybe it's with your marriage or maybe it's with a job or maybe whatever it is, whatever those things are. And so here's what we do at Echo every single week. We say a prayer together. This might be the next step in your journey, but I wanna speak specifically to the people that this might be the first step in your journey. As Jesus is here and he's listening and he's ready to take you to the next place. The scars aren't gonna be gone. The reminders are still gonna be there, but Jesus is ready to renew and do something awesome. You know, I've only known Jess on this side of the, in this side of the motorcycle accident. All I've known is this Jess. And so to see that other side, I just think sometimes we forget that God is in the business of restoring and doing new things. So it doesn't matter where you're at today. Jesus is ready to do something cool. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say a prayer together, all of us at once, and let's take this step together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate some people that maybe said that prayer for the first time today. I'm just going to say, like everything else in life, the first step is the hardest. The first just stepping out. But Jesus is here and ready to meet with you. Now, I want to encourage those of you... Um, Anybody new with us today, never been here before, I want to encourage you to take this card, fill it out, and take it out to the info table out there. We have a gift card for you. Uh, and you know what else we want to do? We just want to say thanks for being here. Let's celebrate those that are here for the first time today. Come on. 